back in the day, there were probably 10 to 12 to 15 hijackings a day of tractor trailers of high value loads. And, uh, you know, the mafia back in those days, the mafia controlled everything. Nothing moved in New York City without one of the five families controlling it. Welcome back to another episode of Cold Red. I'm Ray Carr. I'm a former criminal profile coordinator with the Philadelphia FBI. Uh, and I was responsible for profiling dozens of serial crimes over my career and capturing the Friday night bank robber after 30 years on the run. And with me, as always, is Jim Fitz Fitzgerald. Hey, James R. Fitzgerald here, Fitz for short. I'm a former Ben Salem police detective sergeant at Suburban Philly. Joined the FBI in 1987, went to New York City for seven years, transferred to Quantico as a supervisory special agent and a criminal profiler, later a forensic linguist, helped catch the Unabomber, DC Sniper, and a few other cases uh, over the years. Welcome back to another episode of Cold Red. I'm Ray Carr, and with me as always is Jim Fitz Fitzgerald. Now, Hello. before we get started and interview our special guest for tonight, I just want to do a little follow-up on last week. Uh, Daniel Cavalcante, the prison escapee, was captured. And some of the things that he said when he was captured were kind of unique. He mentioned at one point that the police that were hunting him were as close as eight feet to him. That shows you how well he was hidden in the woods. And the other thing, uh, I, I got to throw this out, just this past Sunday night, there were nine juveniles that escaped from the Abraxas home up in Berks County, which is near Reading, Pennsylvania. <laughs> which is about an hour and 15 minutes uh, west of Philadelphia in the state of Pennsylvania. And uh, by Sunday, by Monday morning, they were all caught, all nine. And four of them knocked on somebody's home to surrender because they were cold and hungry. So, real I gangsters. Mean, real, yeah, real gangsters, exactly. Real gangsters. <laughs> well, I'm going to switch gears a little bit here. Our guest today is retired FBI agent Joseph Pistone. Joe is well known for his groundbreaking undercover work in organized crime and the author of two books, The Way of the Wise Guy and Donnie Brasco, My Undercover Life in the Mafia, which was made into a feature film starring Johnny Depp and Al Pacino. Joe, it's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you for joining us. Well, Hi, thank, Joe. You for, thank you for having me. And uh, you might want to throw in another book, uh, it's called Unfinished Business, and it's actually the second book. The first book was uh, Donnie Brasco, My Undercover Life in the Mafia, and Unfinished Business uh, is a follow-up to that. Uh, it uh, deals with uh, information that uh, I couldn't reveal because I wasn't finished with all my uh, trials. So, uh, uh, Unfinished Business, yeah. Unfinished business. You heard it here first. Hey, grab him. Joe's still got a couple grandchildren he's got to put through college. So <laughs> buy the books up if you can. I know, you know, you didn't know this, but Joe uh, joined us last Tuesday at Wilmington University for the True Crime Lecture Series. And we had over 300 people in attendance. And what a show Joe put on. People were glued to their seats. He kept saying, am I putting you to sleep? And everybody goes, no, no, no. They wanted to hear the story. He says, well, I'll tell the story next time I see it. And he had people, no, don't do that to us, right? But Joe was just unbelievable 
and so entertaining. He kept people glued to their chairs for two hours. I don't know if we'll get him that long tonight, but when you talk about Joe Pistone, you talk about, and everybody knows you as this Donnie Brasco in the mafia, but it didn't start there, Joe. It did start. Where did your undercover career first start? Well, it actually first started in uh, in my first office, which was uh, Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, I, sw- I worked, uh, you know, back in, back in those days, we didn't really have an undercover program. There were probably about maybe 15 of us throughout the whole country that were doing uh, short-term undercover. What I mean by short-term is buy bus deals. Uh, an informant brings you to somebody that might have uh, stolen art or stolen jewelry. Uh, and uh, you, you get the introduction, you make a couple buys, and then, and then you arrest them. Uh, so I did that. Also, uh, back in the day, you know, we were uh, we worked a lot of gambling cases, interstate gambling. So uh, I would go into gambling houses and gamble and gather information, and then you know uh, either uh, the FBI conducted a raid or the local police would conduct a raid. But that's how I started actually, and you know it was uh, short term operations because we had we had no real undercover program, uh, and we we had no uh, no long term. Uh, cases that that we worked. That, that was an actual act, a great proving grounds for you, Joe, where any agent to start, you know, uh, a couple hours here, you know, a day or two there, for you to have been put into the whole New York mob situation with none of this experience behind you, it would have been much tougher. So, and of course, the whole undercover thing was completely different back then. Now it's very well organized, but you kind of invented a lot of it as you went along, right? Well, yeah, you know, uh, we, you know, you, you improvise as you went along because, like, like I said, there was no training, and the guys that were 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 doing it at the time uh, were basically guys that were, you know, for lack of a better term, street guys. Uh, you know, guys that grew up uh, in the cities and you know uh, <laughs> hung out. You know, uh, I, I you know, know what you mean, Joe. Right. You know, uh, before I came in, you know, uh, I, I grew up in Patterson, New Jersey. Uh, and I, you know, I did a little gambling myself, uh, worked in bars, bartending. My dad had a couple bars where I worked. Uh, and, uh, you know, you get to know when you grow up in a neighborhood, I, you know, I grew up in an all Italian neighborhood and there's wise guys in the neighborhood. So you got the street smarts. So, you you know, you know how to you know how to conduct yourself uh, on the street. Uh, so that that was a big uh, advantage. And the, the, like I said, the other guys were basically in, a, in the same uh, situation. You know, they, they weren't all Italian, but, you know, they, they didn't grow up with uh, uh, silver spoons in their mouth, so, so to speak. Mm. Uh, and, it, you, you know, you got to have that, uh, you got to have the street smarts uh, to be to be a good undercover agent you you got to you got to be aware of everything that that goes on around you so situational awareness plays a big part but you talked about one trait or one skill just being street smart what i mean and 
and I guess you learn these things as you can, as you went along, as Jim said. But if you looked and you had any, uh, if someone wanted to work undercover today, what type of skill set would they need? What type of traits would they need in order to be able to be successful? Yeah, well, you know, along with those street smarts, I, 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 I attribute uh, uh, mental toughness. And what I mean by that is uh, you, you got to be able to focus on what you're doing. Uh, you have to be able to focus on, on the task at hand, which is the job. And you have to be not have an ego, but you got to believe in yourself. Uh, you know, you guys heard the term, you know, I, I got to find myself. <laughs> yeah. Where'd you get lost? You know, you know, you know, <laughs> so you have to have a mental toughness uh, to, again, stay focused on the task at hand. And 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 also uh, <clears throat> the, the, when I when I teach young undercovers, you know, I want to make sure that they're committed to their organization. And that's another thing. You have to be committed to your organization. Uh, and that's the way you get committed to the operation, because you don't you don't want to uh, do anything uh, to embarrass your organization or, you know, you have to remember there's, there's other people working on the on this undercover case. You may be the undercover, but you have people that are handling all your paperwork, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so. If you screw up, you know it, it, it's a reflection on on them too. So besides the uh, the mental toughness, the uh, I like to have somebody that uh, uh, well, definitely I I don't want anybody that has any problems. Uh, I don't want anybody that has problems at home. I don't want anybody uh, that has any uh, financial stress in their in their life. I mean, we all have mm -hmm. financial stress. But I mean overboard, and I don't want anybody that uh, that's uh, addicted to anything. And what I mean by that, uh, uh, you know, alcohol, excessive drinking. You know, <clears throat> I went through all those years working undercover, and 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 I I never changed my drinking habits. And uh, you know, you you heard me mention this, right? You know, my drinking yeah. habits are a half a bottle of beer. And maybe a half or three quarters of glass of red wine. That's all I. That's all I can drink. And 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 like I said, I, I've been around bars most of my life. As far as you know, before coming into the bureau, uh, so uh, and I want somebody that can control that. Uh, and and another thing with with young and their covers that they believe everything that they see on television. You know, uh, an undercover agent. Uh, uh, confiscate some drugs and he, you know, he tastes it, you know, oh man, that's good shit. You know I mean? Who's gonna, you don't know what's in, what's in there. I mean, just common sense and, you know, and common sense guys that, that don't want to, that, uh, don't feel like that that's what their calling is to be an undercover agent, you know? And, and I can honestly say, I never fell in love with, with being an undercover agent. I would happen to be good at it because of my background, you know, and my personality. I want somebody that, uh, like I say, I want somebody that doesn't sweat. You know, when you're in this tough situation, you know, I don't want to see your armpits getting all wet, you know. 
if I'm working undercover with you and that happens, that's the last time you're going to be working undercover with me. You got to keep your wits about you. Uh, and, and that comes with the mental toughness. Uh, so there, there, there's, there's several other things that go along with it. But, you know, you don't know how the person's going to react until you put them under pressure. And, and what's, what's amazing <clears throat> is, uh, you know, we started the FBI school and I, I, I uh, patterned my, my classes after that. And uh, myself and uh, <clears throat> I don't know if you guys knew uh, Steve Salmeri, who was my under, one of my undercover partners. We started programs like for Serbia uh, <clears throat> and uh, uh, other countries. We started undercover programs uh, that patterned after the FBI's. And it, it's amazing how after like the third day, fourth day, and and in in in, in these in these uh, schools, you do scenarios and and uh, uh, you have to build up stress. That's the only way you can determine whether they can they can do it or not. And how you build up stress is uh, lack of sleep. You know, you go from maybe eight o'clock in the morning to four o'clock the next morning, three o'clock the next morning. Uh, you take them out of their normal routine, so they're not working out every day. They're not doing what they normally do, and you see by the third, fourth day, the stress starts to build up in them, and and that's how you can grade them, uh, hmm. or <laughs> is is how they handle that stress. Uh, so, and and everybody's not not made out to be under, not made to be an undercover agent. And another thing I, I look for is is I want to see a good cop or a good agent before I want to see that you were you you were a good uh, agent or cop you know on the street or working cases uh, because it, and, and a self starter you have to be a self starter because if you're not when you're working undercover nobody's telling you you got to do A B C and D you got to do it yourself you got to follow your, your you know your own leads. Uh, coming off conversations you have with with the bad guys, so I got to see I, I got to see that you're a self starter, uh, and and you, and you, you you bring that out in the school, but you know you bring it out too uh, before the individual even goes to the school. Uh, all, all these all these traits should be, you know, the boxes should be checked. Uh, by uh by the interviews and you know people get by you it's you know uh but uh again uh and and but just because you are a good agent or or you are a good detective or doesn't mean mean you're going to be a good undercover yeah. but to be a good undercover you have to you have to be a good cop, a good agent. Am I making sense along those lines? You know, Joe, uh, I remember, Absolutely. I remember the, uh, and I was never never in the school, but I knew guys who went down to the undercover school, and I knew some guys that made it through, and others that didn't. They got yeah. washed out, you know, uh, and just for the reasons that you're saying, uh, they they couldn't handle the stress and things of that nature. Yeah, and you know, and. and and to a lot of a lot of you know, when we're talking about guys, you know, we we have gals in there too. Gals too, yeah. Uh, is a lot of times by the third or fourth, you know, it's two weeks. Uh, 
and, and and once it, once the school starts, it goes through the weekend and everything. You know, there's no time off. Uh, and and a lot of times by the second third day, people are leaving on their own. You know, they say, "Oh, I didn't think this was going to be like this." You know, so uh, and today you you need you need you need the training uh, because you know you have to know the laws. You have to know what you're. You know, back in the day. Uh, and I found that I find this with a lot of police departments uh, and, and I'm against sending a rookie out working undercover. Uh, and I know uh, when we started this program, we tried to have it. Uh, you had to be in a bureau five years. But, you know, due to politics, they whittled it down to three years. But you have to know your organization. You know, you got to know what the organization is about. You have to know what laws, uh, what stature you're, you know, you're working and uh, the laws regarding the, those statutes. So uh, to me, a lot goes into it more than saying, hey, Joe, you know, there's this this group of guys that, that we want you to infiltrate. Well, you know, good. And you go do it. Uh, and as Fitz said, you know, it's good to, to start young undercovers out as the secondary to see how the yeah. experienced guy operates, you know, yeah. be the number two guy in an operation. Uh, I'm a firm believer in that. I remember in the profiling unit, we would deal with some of the undercovers who would come in. Um, and it's years ago now, and this has all been made public, but at least one guy had infiltrated some of the uh, militia groups out West in Idaho and Oregon, places like that. And you'd come back and tell me some fascinating stories and we would help him sort of further his right. fake persona in terms of how he was dealing with these guys. So yeah, not everyone would fit into, not one undercover person would fit into every scenario. There's white collar undercover operations of which I was familiar. There's Wall yeah. Street, which is white collar. But I remember someone, a woman, a female agent I know, went undercover in the medical industry because of all kinds of fraud happening there. My our friend Jim Clementi, we had on last season. Yeah. You may have uh, crossed paths with him, yeah, uh, I know Joe. But he went <laughs> undercover on Wall Street for about six months. Yeah. And I met him once, about three quarters through, when the the poor guy was so paranoid. He'll joke about this now, but he would run into people on the street, and this probably happened to you. And you hear someone, of course, you had a different name. I think he went. I think a lot of the logic in undercovers keep the same first name. Yeah, you keep your first name, and and you know, you did. <laughs> you know, I, I preach that. You know. All you want to do is change your last name. But, yes. you know, my middle, my middle name is Donald. So it it, oh. it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a far stretch. So, um, uh, but, yeah, you want to you want to keep your first name. So, you you know, you're always answering it, answering to it. But uh, and that's why I say, you know, you, you got to have a low, a low anxiety level uh, because you can't get paranoid over everything. And and you got to be level headed. And I, I tell my, I tell the students is that, you know, never change your personality. Be who you are because everybody has a personality and the wise guys don't change theirs or the gangsters don't change theirs. And, and that's why, I, you know, when, when I was in the, uh, in the unit, uh, the safeguard unit, you know, I interviewed hundreds and hundreds of undercovers, and 
that they'd come in for the interview and they think they're still, you know, working undercover. <laughs> they got this other personality, you know, it's like, whoa, this is, this is not who you really are. You know, well, I can't get out of character. Well, don't get into a character, be your own character and you won't have to worry about going in and out. Right. Um, right. Good points. Good points. And it's all. a hard thing to, to get through to guys. And, and again, gals, you know, is be yourself because everybody has a personality and, you know, gangsters don't, you know, don't go from A to B personalities, you know, uh, they're who you are. This may come across to some of our audience as sexist, but um, I know there are some female undercovers. They don't want to do the long-term things. Maybe they have families, maybe they have kids, their job, perhaps they are attractive looking and they fit a certain bill. They'll fly them in for a weekend and they portray the girlfriend of an undercover guy because yeah. he has to explain why he's not hanging out with chicks while he's not, you know, mm -hmm. hanging out with a stripper or whatever the deal may be. You know, my, my girlfriend's out West. She flies in, you know, attractive, good looking. Everyone's oh, I understand why you're uh, doing your thing. So you can yeah. have a one or two day undercover, like some of these females or conceivably a guy do the same thing. But of course, Joe, yeah. not everyone does, does what you did uh, for four years plus in, uh, in assuming exactly a role such as Donnie Bresco. You know, it, it, you're dealing with a family life, you're, you know, especially, you know, a female, you know, if, if they have children, you know, it's easier for a guy to get away than 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 a female undercover. And and I'll tell you, we had some great female undercover agents in the Bureau. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, uh, the ones that are married and have kids, that, that's a perfect scenario for them. You know, you're the number two. Uh, you can come and go. and you know, there's not many undercover operations that uh, that the undercover is not going home. You know, there, there's not many long term where you know the undercover once you, once you initiate that that job that <clears throat> that that's all you are. You're not going home every night. Uh, so and. From what I understand, it, it it's tough to get it's tough to get anybody to do any long term anyway. You know, nobody wants to give it up. Nobody wants to give up their uh, their life. Uh, you know, it, in my situation, it, it, before the six year, I was gone for a year and a half on a, on an undercover operation. Uh, I infiltrated a car theft ring up and down the east coast that we were still in uh made to order automobiles you came to us and said you know i, I want a mercedes benz and we took your color you wanted we took all the all the uh extras and then we go to a mercedes benz uh, dealership and hook it for you uh do all the paperwork uh and then you know then i get back to new york and guy barata you know, was my supervisor and he had this idea, but it wasn't for six years. Nobody, you know, uh, nobody figured it was going to go that long. But, you know, w once you get into a certain group, how how, how are you going to get out? Not not how you're going to get out, but you're, you're gathering so much information and, you know, getting into the mafia was like, whoa, you know, uh, nobody's done this before. Uh, so. We just kept kept extending it. Let's talk about that a minute. How did that come about? 
how did that even that idea come up where he said, you know what, Joe, we want you to penetrate the banana crime family. How did, how did that even come about? And how well, did you build your backstory? Well, I had a, I had a, uh, when I say old timer, you know, he was, uh, supervised by the name of Guy Barato. He was the head of the, uh, supervising a truck squad, a New Yorker had done undercover work. Uh, and, uh, there were, uh, back in the day, there were probably 10 to 12 to 15 hijackings a day of tractor trailers of high value loads. And, uh, you know, the mafia back in those days, the mafia controlled everything. Nothing moved in New York City without one of the five families controlling it. Uh, so the idea was actually the idea was to uh, attempt to infiltrate the fences that were fencing this stuff, the commodities. Uh, so, you know, we had we had locations, bars and restaurants uh, that we knew that they hung out in. And the idea was basically to <clears throat> hit, the, you know, hit the street and uh, uh, go to these places and, and, and get my face seen. Uh, and it had to be a seven day a week job because, you know, you can't work five days a week. And, you know, this guy's never around on weekends. You know, if you do uh, get lucky enough to infiltrate. So, and we didn't do anything back then with a contact. I went and, and uh, you know, I had, I, I had my birth certificate uh, uh, from and social security card, you know, in, in Donnie Brasco. Uh, and I just went and took, took the driver's test, get, get my New York, get my New York license in Donnie Brasco. Uh, I went and opened a bank account, and that that that's a that's a that's a, a story. I I go to this bank to you know just get get a checking account, and uh, they they said you know where have you banked before? Well, I I hadn't banked anywhere under Donnie Brasco before, uh, and I said uh, I don't have any other banking references, and. They said, well, you know, we need to have other banking references. And I said, well, I don't have one. Uh, and they said, well, we can't open it up. So I said, well, let me talk to the manager. So the manager comes over and, you know, what's the problem? So I said, I'm trying to open a, up a checking account. And the uh, young lady here says, I can't because I can't provide prior banking information. And he said, well, that's, that's our rule. And I said, let me tell you something. I said, I just got out of jail. Mm -hmm. I said, you're going to hold that against me? I did my time. I served my time. I'm trying to go straight. And now you want to deny me, uh, you know, uh, a checking account. I said, I got money here to, you know, to open it. And I guess the guy figures, well, we don't want any, any trouble here with, you know, I don't know if it was the bank's rule or who, but. I got a checking account <laughs> that way. That's amazing. And That's I, you know, I went, I went and uh, <clears throat> rented my own apartment. We didn't do anything with contacts, none at all. I went uh, rented an apartment. I was on 92nd and, and 3rd at Rupert Towers. Uh, 
went out and bought a car, uh, cash for the car. Uh, <clears throat> so that's 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 how I started, and I moved into the apartment, moved out of my residence, moved into a in, into the apartment, and just start hitting these different uh, locations. Uh, but again, you know, and this was a cold a cold entry. We didn't have any informant introduce me to anybody. It was just uh, get seen, hopefully get in conversation with people and, uh, and, and, and see if you can make any progress. Uh, <clears throat> I did this for maybe five, six months. And <laughs> the only conversation was, you know, what, what, what I was going to eat and, uh, and the, my bottle of Heineken, that was my conversation with anybody in any of the joints. Because, you know, you don't walk into a joint where the, where the gangsters are at hangouts. Hey, I'm Donnie Brasco. And <clears throat> I was a jewel thief. And, you know, and you have to have a profession because, you know, why does any, any criminal element, any criminal organization need you if you don't have a profession? And a money-making profession. That's exactly right. And you, you don't want one of violence. Uh, because you're not allowed to be in, get involved in violence, and, and plus the fact, uh, if it is one of violence, you know, you can't go in and say you're a leg breaker, or you're, you know, you're a stick up man or whatever, because <clears throat> if you're lucky enough to infiltrate, that's what that's what they're going to use you for. So uh, it, it was a jewel thief, and that's another thing too. Whatever you say your profession is, you better know it. So I went to school, learned about diamonds, precious gems. Learned all about uh, uh, being a jewel thief, and uh, went for there. And like I say, after about five, maybe six months, I was lucky enough to to, to get in a conversation with uh, with a bartender uh, in this place I always hung out in, and we became friendly. And he first he introduced me to a Columbo's, uh, and. Uh, <clears throat> I hung out with the Columbos for for a few months, and this was a very active, uh, very active crew. In fact, they were hijackers. So I I bypassed the fences and went went right to the wise guys. Uh, so that's Joe establishing first of all a fence for some of our audience who may not know is kind of a middleman, usually a guy, and he will take stolen material from whoever the thieves are. It's not always the thieves rarely are the ones selling what they steal. They turn it over to a fence. It could be auto parts, could be, you know, high, uh, stereo equipment. Of course, it could be drugs. And uh, and so you were getting in with those guys to establish your credibility. Were you buying stuff from these fences or were you selling stuff to them that, of course, you got from the bureau was contraband, but you could come I, I in and sell it to them? Once I infiltrated, I was selling. You know, I would get uh, diamonds. I would get watches. I would get other uh, jewelry from the bureau, <clears throat> and you know, hey, I just you know, you didn't have to say you, you know, I got it in the heist because once it became established that I was a jewel thief, where else would I get it? You know, when you sell it at the uh, swag prices, so uh, they know that uh, that that uh, you're a jewel thief. So yeah, basically, now I did buy some stuff like you know, you buy stuff and. Uh, for the reason I, you know, I think I can get rid of this uh, uptown, downtown, or wherever. But mostly, uh, mostly you sold it. Uh, yeah. So, 
while you're getting involved, what's what's your real first contact with anybody that's a made member of one of the crime families? What's your what's your real first contact? Well, the the first contact was 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 in this one bar I used to hang out in, and actually was four or five blocks from my apartment, and uh, uh, the, the contact was with. Uh, yeah, and that's another thing too. You have to know your you have to know your target group. You got to know your who you're going against. You have to know everything about them. Uh, you should know if they have any rules, regulations, uh, and you know the, the mafia does. The mafia has some rules that get you killed, and they got other rules that uh, that will uh, <clears throat> just you know not show you any respect. And some of the rules of the mafia. Uh, that that'll get you killed is you know if they think you're an informant they think you're a snitch uh stealing money from the family that'll get you killed uh <clears throat> disrespecting somebody above you in other words it, 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 if if you get into an argument with a made guy a made guy is somebody that's been officially inducted into a particular mafia family if you get into an argument with him you can't insult him in front of other people uh, during that argument. If you do ins- and you're not a and you're not a made guy, uh, if you do insult him, uh, he has the he has the right to you know to do do with you what he wants. And another another rule that definitely get you killed is you, you can't lay your hands on a made guy. You get in an argument with a made guy, and you're not a made guy. Uh, and you physically uh, handle them, uh, you're going to get killed. Uh, and and you, you might even uh, get killed if you're, if you're a made guy. It depends on who, who you're messing with. And another rule is you don't, uh, you don't fool around with a wise guy, made guys, uh, wife, daughter, or girlfriend. Uh, that'll get you killed. So, you know, before you go undercover, you should you should study your target group, and that's another thing most undercovers don't do. They don't study their target group. They don't know you know all the ins and outs of the organization. Uh, but you should because if you if you know them, it'll help you infiltrate, and more importantly, it'll it'll keep you alive while you're in there. Well, <clears throat> in 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 this one place I was hanging out, and it was a, it actually was a Lucchese. And I used to stop in there a lot because it was, like I say, four or five blocks from my house. And it was a place we knew that uh, Lucchese guys hung out in. And they used to come in there, I don't remember, Wednesday or Thursday, and have dinner <clears throat> with their girlfriends. After a couple times, and, and I would always sit at the bar. After a couple times, I'd note, uh, I note, I come in there one night, and <clears throat> one guy is missing, but uh, the girl that, that that was uh, was with him was there, uh, and uh, <clears throat> during the course of the evening, she gets up and goes to the ladies' room, and she comes back and she stops and she says hello to me, and you know, not want to disrespect anybody, I say hello. Well, <clears throat> when she goes back to the table, I motion to the bartender to come over. Now I never talked to this guy ex- except order and you know, ordering my food. And I said to him, uh, 
and I don't call him by his name. I know his name, but I was never introduced to him, so I don't call him by his name. I said, uh, <clears throat> I want to go on record. And that's a mob term. I want to go on record. I did not ask that young lady to stop and have any conversation with me. He just nods his head. and Well, this happens like three or four more times. And every time I say that to him, uh, and then after about the fourth time, he says, hey, look, he said, uh, if you want to talk to her, you can talk to her. You know, her boyfriend went bye-bye. Okay. <laughs> as as I, I told Ray, he didn't go, he didn't go to Disneyland. Um, no. That means something else in mob world. Yeah. So now the guy, what does the guy know? He knows, hey, this guy's a street guy. You know, he knows enough not to get into conversation. He knows enough to to tell me every, you know, that, you know, he, he wants to go on record. Uh, so then he finally starts talking to me. And then the next time I come in, he introduces himself. He says, hey, he says, I'm Charlie. And I said, I'm Donnie. That's all I tell him. I'm Donnie. Because, you know, these guys, they don't introduce themselves like normal people. They don't use their last names. They use their first name or they use their nickname. Uh, so that's another thing that he knows. He's, you know, hey, this guy, you know, the guy's the street guy. He knows what the hell's going on. And then, it, uh, then another time, you know, he says, you like to gamble? I say, yeah. He says, well, when I close up, I'm going to an after-hours joint. Uh, you want to go? So I said, yes. So that's that started the ball rolling. Uh, <clears throat> he doesn't introduce me to anybody, but. I'm with him, so nobody questions me. But he d never introduces me to anybody. But I, I know there's guys from all the families. It was a, it was a, uh, an after-hours joint that was run by uh, the five families, and each family had a representative there. Uh, and then I guess, I guess at the end of the night, they divvy, you know, they divvied up to take it amongst themselves, uh, amongst the families anyway. Uh, so after a couple of weeks, you know, we're not we're not discussing anything, nothing illegal, nothing. But I bring in a packet of diamonds. I give it to him, and I say, Charlie, I need X amount of money for this this envelope. He takes the envelope, puts it in his pocket. A couple of weeks goes by. He, finally, he said, I come in one night. He says, Hey, Donnie, somebody left this this uh, this envelope for you. I take the envelope, put it in my sport coat. And uh, and that's it. Now we go to the we go to the card game, and now he's introducing me as Don the jeweler. I never told him I was a jewel thief, but I give him a packet of diamonds and and the prices, and you know, like I went to Tiffany's and bought them. You know, uh, so now guys are talking to me and. and uh, <clears throat> One of the first guys was a guy from the Columbos, a uh, guy by the name of Jilly, and uh, he had a, a club uh, out in uh, Brooklyn. And when I say a club, a social club, it was actually a store where he sold his swag, all the swag clothes. And he invited me out, so I went out and hung out, uh, went out and hung out with them for a couple months and was gathering all kind of intelligence information. On uh, and he's introducing me to you know guys in the Colombo family, uh, so that's how it started. The first family was actually the Colombos. Yeah, 
Joe, this would be a good place real quick for our audience again, who maybe aren't mobsters <laughs> or maybe don't know all that much. New York for a hundred years now, maybe longer, has been divided up and controlled by five families, Gambino, Lucchese, Genovese, Bonanno, and Columba. They have different turfs, right? They have Correct. different um, uh, uh, entrepreneurial uh, aspects in which they're involved, hijacking drugs, prostitution, gambling, right? And they pretty much yeah. follow the rules most of the time, and yeah. uh, there is not too many internecine wars between them. Is that how you would explain it? Yeah, it, it, that's that's perfect way to explain it. And and uh, they 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 are divided up in, in the sections that they can that they can conduct illegal business. And one one family can't go into another family's territory to conduct illegal business without the permission of the family that runs that territory or owns that territory. But yeah, and it's the excuse me, it's the way it was across the country. In you know most of the other cities like Chicago had one family, Detroit one family, uh, Kansas City, uh, Florida, Philadelphia, uh, Philadelphia, and you 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 can't go in you know even to another state uh, without that family's permission to conduct an illegal activity. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much the way it uh, it they, they operate and. Uh, they still operate that way today, from what I uh, I know is you know the territories. But New York, New York is the hub. You know Buffalo. Uh, they even you know the Bonanos even have a family up in uh, Canada, part of their family up in uh, uh, up in uh, Montreal. Uh, so uh, they were strong back in the day, and you know there wasn't anything that moved in the country that they didn't get a piece of. Nothing. Uh, today, I would say since probably what uh, the '90s, the late '90s, you know, uh, they're just another organized crime group involved in everything they were involved in, but they don't control the country like they once did. They don't control the you know the unions like they did. They don't control uh, politicians like they did. Law enforcement. Like like they used to, uh, they're just another organized well, crime family. Well, Joe, I know you know other groups have come in and done that, and we can save that for some other podcast. <laughs> but was yeah. the Italian mafia had that control for maybe a hundred years? Yeah, other yeah. groups now have kind of yeah. taken over in some ways. Well, I got to say, Joe, this has been amazing. Well, it's flat been... out amazing, and you're amazing. Check out his movies, his books, and you guys will be uh, know even more about. Uh, uh, Donnie Brasco, a.k.a. Joe Pistone. On that note, uh, everyone, subscribe to Cold Red uh, Podcast and follow us on all Code Red Podcast social media platforms.